0: M to the Ugly Cast episode 29 for February 26, 2006. <laughs> GoDaddy hosting plans are now more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 per month. No matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. I use them for my personal website, AndrewSims.com and I know that GoDaddy has some of the best affordable hosting plans online. I recommend you use them for your upcoming website or podcast because as a MuggleCast listener, enter the code Muggle that's M-U-G-G-L-E when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the Internet today at GoDaddy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Sims.
1: I'm Ben Chang. I'm Eric Skull,
2: and I'm Mike Tannenbaum.
0: And of course, this is the show where we bring you the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, and now Ben fighting childhood obesity.
2: Isn't that right, Ben? Yes,
3: folks. <laughs> I am fighting childhood <laughs> obesity. See, I'm starting here on a personal level. <laughs> lately, lately, I've been as I step on the scale, it's going the wrong way. It's it's short. It's <laughs> I decided enough. I have had enough. So I'm making a I'm making a turnaround. You know, we're going back the other way. We're proud of you, Ben. That is that. See, the Cast we're so lately we've become so diversified. It's not even funny anymore. <laughs> we're doing so many things these days, you know. Okay. Fighting childhood obesity, saving the world. Yeah, you know, right.
1: <laughs> so, so now everybody, we we have to ask that the fans now send uh, grade bars to the PO box instead of cookies, because <laughs> Ben's trying so to cut back. Send me.
3: <laughs> yes, we please please send me. Um, Send me some energy bars, some power bars. (laughs) I will will love anyone who sends me power bars. (laughs) Start a campaign. Ben Shane losing weight.
0: Okay, (laughs) quick, Mike and
3: Before the music runs
0: out, Ben's taking up all the time on, on this awesome theme song. Update us with the
2: past week's top Harry Potter news stories. All right, Andrew. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire has accumulated over $600 million in international box office sales, making it the fifth highest grossing film outside North America. It ranks only behind Titanic, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Sorcerer's Stone, and Chamber of Secrets. With North American ticket sales included, Goblet of Fire has earned a total of $888 million and is 8th on the list of the top films of all time. It's a lot of 8s. Speaking of the 4th film, the results are in for this year's BAFTAs, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire won the award for Best Production Design. The 4th movie was also nominated in the categories of Best Makeup and Hair and Best Achievement in Special Visual Effects. Goblet of Fire also won the Best Film Award at the 2006 NMEs, and Jarvis Cocker, who played the Weird Sisters' lead singer, the Yule Ball, in the movie, was in attendance to pick up the award. Moving to Half-Blood Prince, the sixth Harry Potter book has been nominated for the W.H. Smith Book of the Year Award. The awards, which have been running annually for the past 17 years, will take place in London on March 29th. Order of the Phoenix won the award in 2004, and we hope Half-Blood Prince will be just as lucky. The Spanish version of Half-Blood Prince was released to fans, this past Wednesday. At Tuesday's Book 8 International auction in London, Dan Radcliffe's mother, Marcia Gresham, bought, on the actor's behalf, Joe Rowling's handwritten Black Family Tree for £30,000. Marcia also purchased a Tom Stoppard play and a piece of writing by Ian Banks. Dan's mother had this to say. This should put paid to anyone who says that Daniel doesn't like reading. Daniel hasn't stopped since he read the first Harry Potter book and he loves Ian Banks and Tom Stoppard. The charity, which provides books for African schools, was delighted to raise a total of 63,000 pounds. The Sunday Mail had an article last weekend with more information on J.K. Rowling's upcoming charity ball and auction in aid of MS Scotland. Joe has apparently put train-spotting star Robert Carlyle in charge of running the show. All 250 tickets for the event, costing 250 pounds apiece, have already sold out, and the Society hopes to raise more than last year's haul of 300,000 pounds. Finally, ExpectoPatronum.com has received two photos from the Order of the Phoenix filming area. In these pictures, you'll see, get ready for this, this is big, Hagrid's hut, which was clearly under construction at the time these were taken. You can check these photos out over on Mugglenet.com. I'm just interested in why they're rebuilding a hut that's already been in four movies, but hey, I'm just looking out for you financially. When you can't afford that extra owl, don't say I didn't warn you. But wrapping it up, Alan Rickman will return to England in April in order to film *Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix*. That's all the news for this February 26, 2006 edition of MoloCast. Back to the show.
0: Okay, thank you, Micah. Let's get to a few announcements. Ben, I just, I just can't go get over how you're how you're fighting childhood obesity. It really, I know. I'm just so proud of you. I can't even, I don't know. Words cannot comprehend.
3: Brings, it brings a tear to my eye. It, you
0: know, you should sell that George Foreman grill on eBay
3: for MuggleCast listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's George. Buy Ben Shane's George Foreman grill. <laughs> hey, if, if, you are, if you're interested in buying my George Foreman grill, used by Ben Shane, be the Ben Shane. He's cooked many hamburgers on it. Email me. <laughs>
0: Ben's burger I thought I, thought I was going to get it. First, let's uh, check up on a few announcements, MuggleCast announcements. We just want to update you on a theory last week concerning McGonagall uh, as headmistress. And we weren't exactly sure uh, whether she would become headmistress now that Dumbledore is dead in Book 7. And as it turns out, on page 51 of Sorcerer's Stone, McGonagall signs uh, her letter to Harry as Deputy headmistress, meaning she acts as, and as I quote from Dictionary.com, an assistant exercising full authority in the absence of his or her superior and equal authority in emergencies, which suits her perfectly for becoming headmaster, or headmistress of Hogwarts School. Plus, she was in charge when Dumbledore left in Book 2. Yes, correct. So thanks to uh, Kevin Duncan for pointing that out to us in an email. See what happens when you guys email us? You get plugged on the show.
3: Okay, folks. We have some more announcements here. Everyone, everyone, everyone needs to buy a MuggleCast T-shirt. Ben, why so, would everyone have to
0: buy a MuggleCast T-shirt?
3: Well, for several reasons, Andrew. It helps support the show, and, and you get—they're just so fashionable that I bought twelve of them <laughs> last week. I mean, they're just th- that great. So, everyone buy a MuggleCast T-shirt. Okay? They have—they're—they're they're, they're coming two designs of. A multitude of sizes, and even one design even has silhouettes of each Mugglecaster. So that's Ben, my you stink one. at PR. Let so me make sure you buy let, let, cast let, cast let, let,
1: let me do this, please. Okay, these mugglecaster oh, no, 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 t-shirts no, on, are made. Out. No, 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 no. The, these, I, Muggle, hear, I insist, there. I insist, I insist. These Mucklecaster t-shirts are made out of a special synthetic fabric. And in like one year, there's going to be something big happens, and all the clothing in the entire world is going to deteriorate, and all we're going to have left is these mugglecaster t-shirts. Wow I So if you know want a, If you want clothing Buy a MuggleCast t-shirt <laughs> Buy it like it's the only <laughs> the MuggleCast t-shirt buy, buy it like there's nothing left
3: But also Visit MuggleCast.com Click on the store tab And it'll take you to where you can purchase a shirt You can purchase it through PayPal So no worries there But also in addition to that if you don't just if you don't want a MuggleCast T-shirt itself, you can buy a shirt for before MuggleNet. So visit MuggleNet.com. You can click off to the right there. You'll see a flashing image. that says MuggleNet T-shirts. Get yours. So you can buy one of those. Okay, now moving on
0: to some news discussion. It was a semi-busy week, right, Mike Atan? Oh yeah. How should, come on? You're our head news monkey. I have MuggleNet.com
2: once this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great news reporter
0: Whoa. you are. <laughs>
1: Not even when compiling your news, Micah?
0: Hey, you aren't supposed to tell people you steal your news from
2: Leaky. I haven't compiled my news yet. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, uh, what? Children. You just you know. said
0: it. Stop ruining the magic behind MuggleCast. <laughs> Gosh. So, so apparently even Micah Tannenbaum does not know that... Mrs. This really surprised me. Mrs. Radcliffe, um, as it turned out, was the one who purchased the Black Family Tree that was on auction earlier this week. There was so much speculation over who was going to buy it, and then people were thinking, well, uh, are they going to share it with us? Now we know the answer is definitely no. (laughs) But I'm just surprised. I don't – and then in a quote um, by her, she had said that this was to prove – not exactly to prove, but to show that Dan reads books. And to prove that, she bought an Ian Banks and a Tom Stoppard
1: works. (laughs) But have you – Guys, have you ever heard the rumor that Daniel hates to read? No, I haven't. I don't know where she was getting that from. We work from a... I mean, I'm assuming she's not delusional. She is his mother and she's looking out for him. But really, I never heard that. I heard his eyes... His eyes were blue and, you know, that's about the biggest insult I've heard for Dan Radcliffe. Evidently, there were people that said he couldn't read.
0: It's clearly a conspiracy.
2: I mean yes. Joe told her to go and buy it.
0: <laughs>
3: oh yeah, I bet.
2: All
0: kidding aside, I just don't understand why I don't, I think it would be better left in the hands of a real fan or I don't know. It's just a surprise to me.
1: On the contrary, I kind of I kind of like it. I I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world when I read that this afternoon. I got online, I was like wow. That Mrs. Radcliffe had bought it. It kind of closes the connection between them as well, between the Radcliffe's and J.K. Rowling. But what fascinated me was that it only went for, what, 30,000 pounds. And that's not actually – I mean if this is as big as we think it is and we – That's, that's
3: it, how much I weigh. <laughs>
1: 30,000 pounds? <laughs> then I feel very bad for you. Just
3: kidding. Just kidding.
1: That's why you haven't been to the P.O. Bucks. Okay. Anyway, Um so 30,000 pounds is not a lot and if this is supposed to reveal a lot that we think it reveals it kind of went pretty cheap. I think I think and the what surprises me is that nobody could have outbid Mrs. Rowling on this, you know, oh, sorry Mrs. Radcliffe.
0: I would have been I would have been much happier seeing a, a fan get it although I don't know how many fans have 30,000
2: pounds to go and spend on this kind of thing.
0: It just seems
2: yeah, I mean I agree it's it's something better left in the hands of a, of a fan because I mean what is why does Dan Radcliffe need it?
0: Dan wants it just as much as the next fan because he's just as big as a fan. Well, I think that so. proves a point. And then another news, uh JK Rowling has updated her website, which she does not do as often as she used to. She updated her FAQ poll yesterday. Dun,
4: dun,
3: dun.
1: Yes, well, it, it kind of I was I was very disappointed um, at what the question or the answer, especially the answer, um, because we, she has this fact poll that's on there for, you know, a long time, and I don't know how how I don't I forget what the other questions were, and I don't know by what margin this one won, but then JKR said um, in the in the poll, and I quote this: Hang on, let me. Harris says, I was surprised that this question won because it's not the one that I'd had voted for. But, hey, if this is what you want to know, then this is what you want to know. And now, first of all, she, you know, there's a very big time period before she, you know, answers these questions. And then she goes and practically, like, re-questions us. And she's like, well, pff, I don't, you know, this is not the one I would have chosen. But And then she gives a one-paragraph answer and says when a secret keeper dies their secret dies with them. to put it another way the status of their secret will remain as it is uh, as it was at the moment of their death everybody in whom they confided she 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 answered it and then repeated it four times and then reiterated how the fidelius charm works and i you know i i really don't feel insulted but the fact is the answer to this question you feel like she copped out
3: well eric eric th- this question isn't really as big as a letdown as who is Mark Evans? Mark Evans is nobody. You guys are stupid for choosing this. Well, I thought, th- <laughs> I thought that was
0: – yeah. That was funny. That was a funny response. Uh, for the record, the other two questions for the poll were, uh, does, does the destruction of a horcrux involve more than the destruction of a object? And the second question was, why did Voldemort want the Philosopher's Stone if he already had his horcruxes? Hey, wait. And
1: wait a minute. I'm on Joe's side now. Wait, this one won?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. To be honest,
3: I'm subtly
1: on Joe's side. Wait a minute here. Yeah, I, I think, was. I think
3: Lightmaker, Lightmaker rigged the. Pool no, I was. No,
0: I'm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. How I'm could this question I'm more intrigued by the secret. I'm more intrigued by the secret keeper question because the other two. Does the destruction of Horcrux involve more than the destruction of the? Well, okay, that question I'd be interested in.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I would have chosen the other. I would have chosen the other one. I think the Horcrux thing's obvious because Dumbledore's hand you know, was all black from trying to destroy the ring or at least that's what we infer from it. So but the, you know, the the secret charm I think we already kinda could have figured out, I mean, as JK did say, could have figured it out that it just stays the same, like there's no it's not like revealed or anything.
4: Otherwise Well
3: hindsight is twenty twenty in this case. Yeah. Like after the fact, once we know what the answer is, we're really disappointed because oh, we could have known the answer to these two questions. But what if we had chose one of the other ones that turned out to be something simple then we would have said Oh man, we should have figured out what happened to the secret when the secret keeper yeah, dies. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, I appreciate—that's just what I, I think. I
1: appreciate that she went, you know, and and answered this, but at the same time, I'm I'm disappointed that it it got pretty much the answer that we could have figured out anyway. That it just dies with him, and then she repeated how it works, and you know, that's all good that she's at least reclarifying herself with herself, you know, to figure out. But I think the fact poll needs to be answered a lot more, you know, a lot more frequently. Yeah,
0: but you know what? When you think about it. Not many authors have a fan site where they answer the fans' questions and they discuss whatever we ask. That's
1: more than we can ask for, and and forgive me if I've offended anybody too, because it is true. Just the fact that she updates and has this site, you know, I don't want to hassle her for not updating because she does. She's incredibly busy. She's writing book seven right now. You know, we're
0: not J.K. Rowling, but what if we tried to answer the other two questions?
3: Okay, uh, so,
0: what's the what was the other one with? BC?
3: Hey, Andrew, we're not who. Hold on a second, Andrew. <laughs> JK Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, just I thought it. he said that.
0: I heard you know, I have this New Jersey accent. What was it the third? Rowling sounds like growling. It? It's it's hard, it's hard for me to fight. Well, why did Voldemort want the Philosopher's Stone if he already had his Horcruxes? Which is a good question. Um, I would say
3: as a backup system. No, I'd say because he has to find a way to get his body back.
0: Um, perhaps? Well, what if all of his Horcruxes were blown up? Then what would he do? So that's why he needed the sorcerer's stone? The, yeah,
1: the thing is I think with the fact poll, I voted on this um, a few months ago.
0: F-A-Q. FAQ.
1: Okay. And if you want to tell me that it's not supposed to be so said, let's fact, stay on topic then, here. What Okay, I was going to say that I answered this a few or I, I chose I chose the Horcrux question a few months ago because I wanted to I think JKR's even if she gave us a half answer, she would have answered in a way that related to voldemort's motivations and those are going to be everything and everything voldemort wants to do she could easily say oh well he just needed a full body but by saying that she would you know further continue the story of how of who you know what happened while he was floating around in horcreeness and
2: you know he's looking for something to do for 13 years you're talking about the the object question do you have to destroy the object
1: uh, no, I'm talking about the uh, why he wanted the Philosopher's Stone even if he had his Horcruxes.
2: And Only I think – mor- didn't
1: we talk about this and say it was like quality of life or something? Yeah, why even
2: immortality. I mean that's what it gives him and he's yeah. know, even the more stronger if he has the Sorcerer's Stone in addition to all of his Horcruxes. Yeah, it's all about getting Now strong. that I
0: think about it, I think we already did answer question two, or we've talked about it on previous shows. Does the destruction of a Horcrux, horcrux involve more than destruction of the object? I could have sworn we got a voicemail on that or something. Does anyone else yeah, remember? Yeah,
1: I, I think we determined it was a quality... Or Yeah, I think we, de- we just mentioned that Dumbledore's black hand, obvious, like it was taking Dumbledore a little, little long time to... First of all, just to get to the Horcrux, you know, at the end of the book that was in the... Uh, turned out to be the R.A.B. pendant or whatever. Just to get to the Horcrux seemed to be a pain in the butt, you know, more than it would be just to destroy anything else,
2: so... Yeah, and we saw the destruction of the diary... In Chamber of Secrets, yeah. even though we didn't know it was well, a horcrux at that point,
1: actually, he just stuck a fang through that. That died. Pre- that 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 thing broke pretty easily. I
0: don't know. That's that's why that was making. I good hope question. fangs don't come back. Although, would be nice foreshadowing.
3: What about the rod? Oh, dude, I see it now. Fang, Fang killed the horcrux. Fang is going to kill the other horcruxes. Fang, the dog. Yes, he's really No. No. He's really James Potter actually. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm not going to start that. Uh, <laughs> I can okay. see it now. You
0: know, I'm looking through the JK Rowling section on uh, mugglenet.com, jkrowling.com info section. It it's an excellent resource for everything jkrowling.com. Um, yeah, Emerson did a really good job. Absolutely. That. Uh, wait, he did it? So, I think we should in future episodes we should answer these uh running up questions. Benjamin, Carl, Shane, do you have another top ten list for us this week, Remus Lupin style in celebration? Yes, I do. Of our Remus Lupin. Let's do this Lupin style this
3: week. Of course. Hit us with it. Here we go. The top ten reasons to become a werewolf. Number ten, Snape will never disrespect you. Number nine, the ladies don't seem to mind. Number eight, you don't ever have to worry about cooking. Number seven, plenty of fresh air and exercise. Number six, because animagi are just too boring. Number five, your boss will not object when you take a few days off from work. Number four, you never have to dress up for Halloween. Number three, you never have to shave. Number two, you're never forced to take strolls in the moonlight. And the number one reason to become a werewolf, you're guaranteed at least one wild night every month. (laughs) Alright, thank you, Ben. Excellent top ten list, as usual.
0: Now getting on to our main discussion of the week, as promised, Remus Lupin. Let's read up on some quick information, courtesy the MuggleNet Encyclopedia. He's 37 years old, according to the official Harry Potter timeline. He was in the Gryffindor house, and Lupin is a werewolf, transforming during the full moon each month. The rest of the time, he is a kind, talented, and highly intelligent. Wizard. Remus has a, has a mischievous streak that manifested itself during his years as Hogwarts, although he was the most restrained of the troublemaking marauders. He's also an expert on dark creatures and how to subdue them. Um, he's a vital member of the Order of the Phoenix, and Lupin is undoubtedly powerfully magical. He's also loyal, hardworking, and self-sacrificing, but modest to the point of being self-deprecating. Lupin cares for Harry, but is he a father figure like Sirius would have been? And will he be even
1: more of a father figure and helping hand to Harry in Book 7? What do you guys think?
3: Well, in my eyes, I don't think Harry has one single father figure, he has a bunch of role models that he looks up to. I don't think there's just one person you can call a father, father figure. Uh, well, I guess I guess Lupin will sort of... He's all that Harry has left, really, besides the Weasleys. And, and you know, in terms of older males, he can look up to. That's pretty well, much I it. Well, I
1: think, also, at the stage it was in Book 3, he was most the father figure, I think. I think that's right, too, because um, Harry was figuring all that stuff out about his parents in Book 3. And Lupin was there kind of like you know, to guide him and to lead him through this transition, you know, with the Dementors and dealing with his parents' death. And Lupin, I think, really connected to that because I guess this was the first time he'd seen Harry in at least 13 years or at least 12 years. Um, And that was also since, you know, like the last time he saw James and Lily. So he was very connected to that.
2: Yeah, and I think Lupin may even be more of a father figure than Sirius was. I think Sirius came across as more of a... You know, a friend because he, Sirius really saw James and Harry, and so he tried to make that connection a little bit more. So, so you're saying than taking care of Harry, I would you're
1: say. saying Lupin is actually better, a better father figure
2: because he sees Harry as Harry. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that works. Well,
0: Ben was saying earlier that um, he looks up to a lot of people, but I really don't think at this point he does anymore because he's sort of he's sort of a freelancer now. He doesn't exactly look up to anyone. He's on his own now, and I'm not just saying that from an observation standpoint but I think he decided that he can't rely on people anymore
1: I think yeah I think really Harry had become independent I think definitely during book 5 when right, he was it, expecting everybody to fill him in
0: it started with Sirius's death because at that point he was really relying on Sirius and then he died and it just totally threw everything off for him
1: well, I, I think it actually happened before then, too, because Dumbledore, remember, was avoiding him all of Book 5, like, wouldn't even glance him in the eye. And, of course, Harry found out later that, you know, if he did, then Voldemort would have come out, whatever. Yeah, he was really ticked off in the beginning of Book 5 when nobody would fill him in. And he, remember, he ran at it, you know, Hermione and Ron about it, but he was becoming independent. That's true. He had to. Since then, you know, he's really And the only, reason, the only reason he relied on Dumbledore in Book 6 was because Dumbledore was the only one who knew the most about Voldemort. So he developed that trust, but of course that went all to hell when Dumbledore died. So I think really he is he is his own person now. Good point. I didn't think of that.
0: I'd always thought it started with Sirius.
1: Lupin's course seemed to bring out the best in everyone. Remember, some people failed at different points, different types of monsters. The question is, remember like some people got stuck in the tires, other people got, I think it was Neville that got lost with the uh, the little creature that held the flashlight and lured him elsewhere. You know, like, different different people got stuck at different places.
0: What do you guys think that means? It means that they couldn't excel in those different areas. <laughs> well, yeah,
3: everyone has their weaknesses, dude. Just I like know, in, but do you guys remember what they in, were? Just like in school, some people are good at math and science, some people are good at well, reading. It well, all depends on who you are and what you're good at.
0: Lupin was teaching an entire subject. I mean, I guess at some points of math you can be bad, and some points you can not, but this was more hands-on.
2: It's not exactly... Same thing. Just the name, Remus Lupin, did you guys immediately realize when you first opened Prisoner of Azkaban and you got to the train scene that he was a werewolf? I mean, his name gives away a lot of information. Yeah,
1: Lupin is... Well, not just Remus and Romulus, but yeah, Lupin and Lupine. I mean, anybody who's had any ling- you know linguistic stuff should have gotten that right off the bat. That is one of the more obvious names. Um, but I didn't know. I mean, I was... I was like 14, so I didn't notice.
0: It must be a lot of fun for her to think
1: about these names. She has to have a lot of fun every time she introduces a new name. It's like a name I could not have thought of. You know, I think of like. Well, she
3: finds it through things like Greek mythology. It's not like she just sits there one day. Re, 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 re Remus, Remus <laughs> Lupin. <Lucifer."> oh yeah, re. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's she, okay. Yeah.
1: She's sitting in her in her sitting room, right? And and she's just sitting there going. And Neo walks in. And he he looks at her and goes, Mommy? And, yeah, I was going to say. Or David, David walks in and he goes, Mommy? And she's just sitting there going,
2: Mommy was what? Neil calls her on the With side. a
1: little pen. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to say it. But she's sitting there with a pen, and all of a sudden she shouts, Remus Lupin! And writes it down. She just shouts, Remus Lupin! And he's like, oh, that's the new...
0: I think your strategy is that she has a Latin dictionary, and then she picks out a word that means something... And that would relate to the Harry Potter films, and then she changes Ooh, two letters into it. the word of the word. We
1: are forgetting, too, she taught Spanish. She taught English as a second language, didn't she? Um, So she's got to know her English pretty darn well. You guys remember in the, in the Shrieking Shack that Lupin described himself as, like, this self-conscious teenager? And he was even, like, he was unsure of himself, basically, and he was all insecure and stuff. But... Then the then he said to Harry that all the Marauders came became Animagi for him. Um, do you guys think that's like... Do you, think, do you guys think that's like them? And why do you think they befriended him in the first place if he was... I mean, I like the fact that they like adventure, but why were they... Why were they friends with Lupin in the first place? Because um, they didn't know he was a werewolf until afterwards. Um, until they saw him sneaking off, you know, having to excuse himself. But... Why? Why Lupin? Why? Is, why did they become friends? Why did they? Why did they click? Do you think? And and Lupin, as a teenager, being all self-conscious and stuff, James is clearly very arrogant. How would they fit together?
3: Yeah, and it just sort of. How, how did you become friends with your friends at school? That everything just fell into place. That's how it happened. There's no. It just sort of just sort of happens. I mean, like. Well, his meaning <sighs> is there any sort of connection or anything?
2: Well, they were all in Gryffindor,
0: right? Guys, what what does the Wolfsbane potion
1: do? Does it keep him in his own head? But, you know, I think... Yeah, it's just just the
3: psychological part, I'm pretty sure. But
1: he said... I I think it was like... I think somebody corrected me on this. I mentioned it to him, and they said it was him being with the Animagi in their animal form that kept him in his own head, but when he took the Polyjuice potion, he was still kind of a wolf, but he didn't, like, transform. He just, like, got stuck in his office. But in addition to this... Um, the Wolfsbane potion, even though we don't know exactly what it does, Snape made it for him, you know, and that was all what Lupin told Harry about how, you know, he he made it for him every month and that's why he doesn't think Snape's a bad guy. Um, I know we defend Snape a lot on this show, but I think it's important to bring up too, like, every month, like, clockwork, uh, you know, Snape, it's interesting because Snape hated the Marauders enough to give Harry crap, yet he made the potion for Lupin anyway. So, like, is Snape only mad at James? And, you know, what? what is the Wolfsbane potion? What does it do? Because I think at one point, Lupin said uh, when he was bitten, Lupin was referencing when he was bitten as a child, that that was before the Wolfsbane potion, as if the Wolfsbane potion could have prevented that or something.
3: It's like when people get old and they start forgetting stuff. No,
1: that's that's uh, Alzheimer's. Dementia is just any, any kind of... Cre- Crazy delusions. Like, it It can be forgetfulness, but it's also hallucinations, and if you imagine you're in, like, a different time, or...
3: Uh, okay, okay, Dr. School. Thank you, Dr. School.
0: Eric, I think I remember reading somewhere, I don't know if it was an interview with J.K. Rowling, or whatever, Um, that it prevents dementia, which is the side effects of transforming into a werewolf. Now, why would Snape make this for Lupin? Uh, it could have been a, a favor. He was returning... Because I doubt Snape creates anything that would require Lupin to give him a favor.
2: I thought it was on Dumbledore's orders.
1: Yeah, it's kind of expected of him. He's a co-teacher. He would look bad if he were still holding this grudge. And, and, you know, Dumbledore already knew that Snape was giving Harry crap still, so I think it might have been overboard if he didn't. You know, and Snape was probably the only one who could make the Wolf's potion. David Thewlis, beyond Hitler's stash. How good is he for the role? And will he change much to accommodate Order the Phoenix? Now, remember, the way he acted and, like, the whole mustache thing, that's not necessarily tied to – it's not necessarily going to be in the fifth movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he might shave. He might act a little differently. I think he would be a little
0: stupid if he kept the Hitler stash. It would be kind of be like the fans would still complain about it.
4: Well, I, I wait think a
0: second. Doesn't Warner Brothers tell them what to do? Is it that big of a decision to shave your mustache? <laughs>
1: well, there's people, though. There's fans who say, Oh, David Thula sucked his lupin. I hate that stash And they, like, totally go on to diss his acting skills based on his mustache. Now, I thought he did a great acting job in Prisoner of Azkaban. Probably one of the best actors in that movie. One of the best performances. You know, he worked with what he
0: had, and what he had was a stash and everybody gives him crap about it. I've never seen that crap about the stash. If the part requires him to... Look differently than he did in movie three, and he's going to do it. He's not going to depress the fans by objecting to, t- you know, something as simple as a mustache. David wanted his wife
1: to play Tonks, and she was an actress. But then they went and cast somebody else. Uh, so, what do you guys think about that? Like, I actually thought it might be cool if his w- if David's wife was Tonks because she likes the books or whatever. She's American. Oh, she's American. Okay, never mind. Thank well, you, Martin. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, for, for people who don't know, there's, there, Warren Brothers does not allow people from the U.S. Basically, if you don't have a British accent, you can forget about it. <laughs> I, and not even
1: – if you don't have an authentic British accent too, not like faked ones because there's Americans, including me, who think they can fake one and really just doesn't they – don't, they don't do that. Plus there's probably some kind of rights behind it. Okay, here's something that you guys are all going to comment on because it's a good topic. You know, in the Department of Mysteries, you know, Harry's all running after Sirius. Well, Sirius falls under the big freaking curtain. All right. not right. Didn't upset me at all, though. Not at all. The big freaking curtain, right? So Harry runs after him, jumps you know, tries to jump in after him. But Lupin holds him back and says, he's gone, Harry. You know, that's it. Now... When I first read this, I thought of two things. I thought either Lupin knows about the veil and what it does so that he can actually make an informed decision and say he's gone, Harry, because, you know, that thing kills you when you go into it. Or he was just saying, you know, he's gone. You know, that's it to hold Harry back from jumping in because, you know, that he, you know, if he didn't know what was in the veil, he wouldn't want Harry to go in there, too.
3: Yeah, You make a good point here, Eric, that, that Lupin would have to know something about the veil in order for him to say definitively that Lupin is gone. I mean, that Sirius is gone.
2: Isn't it Luna also, when Harry talks to her, that says something about voices? Yeah. So, it's not, I mean, maybe she doesn't know specifically about the veil, but she has an idea about, you know, what happens to people.
1: I saw Lupin as the father figure just saying, you know, oh, he's gone, even if he didn't really know... What was back there, you know, he had to say that to get Harry to stop, and I think that worked effectively. So I just want to know if you guys thought that he actually knew what was back there or it was just, you know, a fatherly thing, you know, an in- instinct to get Harry away from him.
2: Yeah, it it definitely could have been instinctual, if that's a word. But, yeah, he might have just thought that there was danger, and he he thought first about protecting Harry more than anything else.
1: Just how hard is it, guys, do you think, to get a teaching job... And respect as a werewolf, even with wolfsbane potion, and you know, because Lupin's all talking about you know his prejudice and how it's their parents wouldn't want the you know their teachers schooled by werewolves. But then what what can werewolves do in the world besides go around you know underground and kill people? Like, can they get any professions?
3: You raise a good question, Eric. That, that's a good point, but I think it's kind of tough because it's not truly that. Like, once you actually get to know a werewolf, it's not like they're they're all bad people, you know? But, of course, there's the negative people, the, neg- the werewolves who actually do do the bad things that get the primary focus for the entire group. So it's what creates the stereotype and what propagates it to the center of attention. You know, it's like many stereotypes we see in society. Things like all black people are thieves and things like all Mexicans must be illegal... All Jewish people are rich. All, all things like that. And we see, continue to see these stereotypes, and that's just the same thing it is for a werewolf. And it's hard to overcome those stereotypes because it's just ingrained into society.
1: Ben Ben brings up a point. Guys, things like goblins, what if they don't want to be bankers, but they're – you know just because they're goblins, society tells them, oh, you have to be bankers? Same thing. They see how – Society treats them. They can't do what they want anymore. They can't become teachers, and it's not even their fault. So they just go and live as
3: werewolves because that's what they... Well, it all comes down to, uh, is the glass half full? No,
0: it doesn't come down the to the glass that. half empty? It doesn't really come down
3: to that. Yes, it does. It does. It does come down to that. It comes down to their whole perception. You're You're born a werewolf. Are you going to take it and say, well, I'll just evolve into the typical stereotype of werewolf and bite little babies? Or are you going to say well, I'll make the best of a situation that sucks and that de- life dealt me a, a bad bad hand of cards, I'll just deal with it, you know, make the best of it.
0: Ben, you were saying the whole stereotyping thing. If a werewolf can prove himself as a good person or a good animal, then there would be no stereoty- stereotyping to that one specific person. It's just like in the
3: world, real world. No, but I mean, no, because not everyone knows. Not everyone knows Remus. So when they, when they just hear, "Oh, a werewolf teaching my kids," it's not Remus Lupin is teaching my Unless kids. Dumbled-
0: a Unless Dumbledore. Unless Dumbledore, or someone else high
3: up that people
0: already do respect, can show the public that yes, he I can th- be trusted. I agree.
3: Abs- absolutely not. Absolutely not, Andrew. Because no, they, everyone thinks Dumbledore is crazy anyway. Yeah, that's anyways. okay. Then not- Dumbledore's already done radical things, and by and by, the, by that same logic, Andrew, when Dumbledore said that, "Hey, if Voldemort's back," then people would have believed him. The majority of people yeah. want to believe him. Well, like, I think I
1: agree with Andrew. I agree with Andrew to a point, except for the fact that yeah, the media was discrediting Dumbledore ever since you know the beginning, and, and Fudge was too because he didn't want to admit that he was weaker than Dumbledore. So there was no respect for Dumbledore. I think Dumbledore probably could have, if everybody respected him, tell him, hey, you know, this werewolf's okay by me. I think even if there were people who sided with with. uh you know, Dumbledore like Hagrid and, and, you know, people who really had reasons to, um, I think the majority would still probably fall back on whatever prejudice, like Ben mentioned, uh, was that werewolves were dangerous people. But how hard is it, you know, to get a job? What job, you know, okay, goblins have banker jobs where they're all in tunnels and stuff and they can, because they know math very well and they can, you know, Steer a uh, minecart. So, what do you think werewolves could do if there were a trade like for werewolves that that society was okay with werewolves doing? What do you think it would be doing? With,
3: I really don't I think mean, there's anything because, like you said, they've been alienated and they have just become this group of where pe- people don't want to have want to have any involvement with them. I hate to. Well, here's here's a good parallel for you. Someone like say a werewolf goes and gets a job, like like Lupin did. Once they found out that he was a once they found out he was a werewolf, then he was done and over with. And a parallel to that in American society is when someone gets a job and they find out that they have a different sexual orientation than everyone else, then they they could face a lot of scrutiny for it and probably end up getting fired. And uh, that's that's the same situation applies in terms of werewolves because as long as their employer doesn't know they have you know, this condition, and maybe if they get the right days off each month, you know, then it'll be all right. I don't know if
0: it's to the point of getting fired unless your boss is really, really biased.
1: But considered, no, in the case of a werewolf, you can be very, you know, hazardous on, in, you know, in certain days. But even with the, the wolf's bane potion is a, a discovered potion. It's a discovered thing that, that makes this less harmful. So I would think that werewolves would start being more accepted. You know, in society,
3: right? But how how widely available is the Wolf'sbane potion, though? Well, that's
1: the question. Apparently, it's a real biatch to make, which is why Snape had to do it. So, I mean, it is comprehensive. So that is a good it's a good point. Uh,
2: I just think this J.K.R. is compelled to put certain things in the books, and prejudice is one of them. It's just like when you're talking about the Ministry corruption and government. This is just one of those things. I think that she feels that she has to get across. And I don't know if we're taking it a little bit too far when we're talking about werewolves getting jobs. I think her whole idea behind this is just to show that prejudice exists even in this type of a setting. I agree with that. I think
0: Joe Rowling adds prejudice into the stories because it adds an interesting angle where from the reader's standpoint, you're going to be thinking, oh, come on, it's not fair. And you feel the emotion, sort of like with Umbridge. You get really angry at her. You get angry at these people who are... Doing exactly that, you're saying, "Oh, well, look at Lupin; he's he's being disregarded as some stupid, worthless
1: animal." Uh, and it points out more unfairness. I like, girl, I hate
0: this, but mmm, sound <laughs> true.
1: <laughs> okay, the Wombing Willow guys, and this is what shocked me. This actually was an all-time high for 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 on my Dumbledore meter, my Dumble meter. Uh, my Dumbledore meter was, was completely going off when, when I heard this. Um, Dumbledore's tree, the Womping Willow, that tree Dumbledore willingly planted there to protect the students from Lupin, but actually it's this very dangerous tree that almost killed Harry and Ron. The whole, this huge dangerous tree that's on the school grounds, he put there just so Lupin could come and attend Hogwarts. Now, do you think that was a statement like to Dumbledore's, is it was it a testament to his own... Oh, any student can come here, or was that just complete absurdity that you know he would even do that? But Dumbledore went through all this trouble just to get Remus to come to school. And what do you guys, what do you, what do you guys think about that?
0: Well, it shows that Dumbledore cares for every single student. I think it's as simple as that. I, you okay. know, unless there's some specific reason that Dumbledore really wanted Lupin there,
2: but what would it be? He's Remus's father, obviously.
0: You know, so many, so many people try to make parallels between Dumbledore and insert HB character here. Like, everyone thinks every character is related to him. Dumbledore is everyone. Someone sent father. an email and said McGonagall was Dumbledore's daughter. I said, no. Aww. Yeah. McGonagall was an <laughs> accident.
1: Lupin, guys, we found this out. He said this offhanded in book six. Lupin was bitten by Fenrir Greyback that was such a character introduction but doesn't fenrir usually kill kids and like why would lupin have survived that what
0: if he wanted to, what if he wanted lupin to become a werewolf yeah but he was just a kid he was a little baby so... when he
1: got bit you know he was like 3 so how would he he
2: did it to get back at lupin's father
1: oh i completely forgot about that
2: really so wouldn't it be more Harmful to have to see yeah. a kid. Well, live completely, a life but as a it's werewolf. just
0: like a slow, painful death compared to. A no, quote Mike, one. I
1: I agree with that, but that really happened. Yep, I completely forgot
0: about that. Eric, you're fired. Where's the bobblehead? <laughs> oh, thank you for reminding me. Oh no, <laughs> not the bobble,
1: not, not, not the bobblehead. Please, I'll be good. I, I won't. I won't spiel for 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 three minutes. Come on not not the bobblehead
0: so it would have been better to get back in him by just biting rather than killing because yeah
1: no i completely agree with it's that a long I, I i just completely i i don't recall reading that at all so thank you guys because that's –
3: someone tell me where where it says that in the book i'm confused i don't remember that either would you i like don't know me this to, is like, would you like it's me like to a go weasel
1: otter yeah get it cuz this is like a weasel otter relation
4: right, type thing months. where i'm like
2: oh my god oh my god you know mike my... it says no it says that he offended him he offended Greyback. Lupin's father offended Greyback. Oh, and well so please find Greyback bit please. Lupin as a result.
1: Please, Micah, find that. That that would be um Yeah, but no, guys, while Micah's finding that. What about Lupin's parents? Like he you know, he offended Greyback, but his parents still had to raise him and I guess they really loved him and really had to care for him, but they had to search probably for a while to find Doubledore. And what do you think his parents what do you think his parenting was like, you know, growing up? He was still a little self-conscious about his gift, but I think they encouraged him,
2: you know, still. All right, I got the line, if you want. To.
1: Okay, hey, Micah got it, Micah got it.
2: Okay. That was fast. Lubin paused and then said, It was Greyback who bit me. And then what Harry said astonished. When you were a kid, you mean? Yes, my father had offended him. I did not know for a very long time the identity of the werewolf who had attacked me. I even felt pity for him, thinking that he had no control... Knowing by then how it felt to transform.
1: Oh God, that's imagery, Micah. That's brilliant. Chapter. What, what
2: page is that? Page. It's page. Yeah. Three thirty-five of the American edition.
4: It's in what the. What chapter? Very frosty Christmas.
0: So that wraps up this week's main discussion. Alright, a couple weeks ago, I announced to everyone our brand new MuggleCast contest, Create Your Own MuggleCast Segment, and now it is time to reveal the winners. I'm here with Laura and Micah. Hey. Segment judges, extraordinaires, and they helped me judge the segments. What do you guys think overall of the entries as a whole?
5: I thought they were extremely creative. I was really blown away by some of them, just... Some of the ideas you guys came up with, really, you know, props, everyone.
3: Yeah, I agree
2: with Laura. Overall, things were were pretty good. Uh, there were a few here and there that were a little disturbing, I guess would be the right <laughs> word. but um, Overall, good job, though.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, so now we have the three big winners. So actually, we have the five big winners. And how this is going to work is we're going to air first place winner uh in a few moments and but then for the next four weeks after this show we're going to air the runner ups second place, third place, honorable mention, and then fifth place, if that makes sense. <laughs> honorable mention is basically fourth place. Um but they just missed out a third, so it's sort of honorable mention. You see what I mean here? Uh uh uh-huh. <laughs> So first place First place on the create your own Mungo cast segment Contest goes to. After this commercial break.
2: Oh, that was so funny. Yeah. Don't you want to go third to first? GoDaddy.com is your ultimate sponsor. What? Don't you want to go third to first?
0: No. No, I don't. Okay. Well, I don't. How about this? How about we don't reveal. How about we don't reveal the runners-up until the following weeks?
5: Huh? Ooh, all right. I think that could create some some excitement, some
0: some tense moments. Yeah. Okay, so we want, we'll just do we'll just do first place for this week. So first place winner goes to Anthony Trana with Order of the iPod with his friend Mike.
5: I really liked that one. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it was really. Actually, creative. there's one point where I found myself laughing out loud. So that was really yeah, really same. Good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was uh, I was judging these while on my way to school and throughout school cuz instead of talking to real people I listened to uh Hey, one of cast I did the same thing
2: with or, my life. <laughs> yeah. Or paying attention in class. <laughs>
0: right. And well, I actually no, I turned it off during class, but um yeah, I was laughing out loud too. I I I had to hide my smile. <laughs> <laughs>
5: you're you're so much Mike, of a better what you person than I am. Because... Oh, I enjoyed
2: it. Sorry.
5: No, I'm sorry, I interrupted why, you. Because I would get bored during school and I would put my school stuff away and judge the contest winners. So that's that's how faithful I am that I actually put my school <laughs> aside for you. Don't you love me?
0: <laughs> uh, of course we do, Laura. I was um talking Lincoln, to why you. Did, why do you like this segment so much? Order the uh,
2: iPod. It was good. I I thought the guy who played whether he was playing Dan Radcliffe or playing you know, the the fictional character. I thought he did a pretty good job of
0: imitating
5: He him. did. Yeah. He really so, did. So the
2: deal is, um,
0: we had the rule, it has to be under seven minutes, but Anthony also created an extended version, which is eight and a half minutes that we're going to air, instead of the shorter version, which is even funnier. And th- this is a really great segment. So listen now, first place winner, Anthony Trana and his friend Mike with Order of the iPod.
5: How are you? You're a wizard.
6: Dumbledore's man. To and true.
7: What is up? Welcome to Order of the iPod. This is Mike. And I'm Anthony. And we got a special guest here today. We got the big man, the big dog, Harry Potter, sitting with us in New York City. What's happening, Harry? How are you, fellas? It's great to be here. I must say, my time in New York City has been very, very good. And I can't wait to hear what kind of questions you're going to ask me today. It's just getting me very excited.
8: Well, we definitely have some... Some questions for you, Harry. Don't worry about that. We're gonna kick it off right now with the very first one. What is one thing that you're looking forward to next year at Hogwarts?
7: Oh, next year. Well, I must say. The first thing that I'm looking forward to is getting rid of these darn glasses. I can't stand them and I can't wait to get contact lenses. They keep falling off my face when I'm fighting dragons and things like that. And then everybody's just laughing at me when I do these things. And then they say mean things. That I look like John Lennon. And I don't even know what that means. But I know it's hurtful. Yeah, that's not right. That's not right. No, no you gotta get to those contacts, Harry. You know what I'm saying? You know, represent. Alright. Now, what I wanna know, and I know people wanna know these things, is there's a little bit of love going in the air. So, how are things between you and Ginny Weasley? Ooh, that's a good one. Well... I must say that I'm really trying to keep myself pretty single these days and not so tied down to one person. As as I know you Americans say in your hip-hop music, which I know you'll be able to relate to, I compare myself to 50 Cent because we are both... A P-I-M-P, if you know Uh, what I mean. I I really can't (laughs) say it any better than that. (laughs) Absolutely, man. You gotta be the P-I-M-P, man. So, what are your true feelings about Professor Snape? Well... Over my time at Hogwarts, I've gotten to know Professor Snape very well. Very personally. Very closely. And I tell you, being that close to him is very tough because that man's breath is horrible. I've got to tell you, it is terrible. (laughs) He's Honestly, honestly, he smells like he beats... A Bertie bots every flavored bean that's just poo-flavored. All he eats is the poo-flavored beans. He takes all the other ones, picks them out, throws them in the garbage, poo beans all day long. That's all the man eats. And it's it, it makes my nose hairs
8: curl. It, it's, it's horrible. So he's Poo Breath, yeah, Professor I, Poo Breath.
7: Absolutely, he's Professor Poo Breath, and everybody knows it. And he's Professor Pooh-faced because he's ugly and smelly. Well, that's definitely
8: one person we will never interview then. Absolutely. Thanks That'd for the be. heads up.
7: Yeah. All right,
8: moving on. What's up with Luna Lovegood? Does she really act that way? Because it seems like she has a little bit of Jessica Simpson there.
7: Well, absolutely. I, I have to agree with you, Anthony. she I've caught her in her room. Doing calculus, studying Latin, and reading these extremely hard books. And then when I come in, I say, Luna, what are you doing? She shuts the books, looks at me, and says, Harry, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I don't know why I have these things in front of me. Who put them there? And I say, it's obvious, lady, that you are very smart. Why don't you just admit it? She looks at you with this blank stare. I'm stupid. It's really quite annoying, I've got to say.
8: Wow, that's definitely a great insight to uh, Luna Lovegood. I knew it. I knew it, Anne. She can't be that dumb. Nobody is. Well, except for Jessica Simpson, of course. Right, right. But she's hot. All
4: right,
8: right, next question. We're going to actually see if
7: you can uh, do any impersonations. Oh, an impersonation. Absolutely. Okay, let me see. I've got a couple good ones. My favorite impersonation is my pal, Ronald Weasley. And here we go. <laughs> oh, Harry, I love her Hermione. She's so pretty. She's so cute. I love her hair. I want to touch her hair. I want to rub her back. All right, Ron, it's enough. We know you love her. We know you want to kiss her. We've had enough.
8: Yeah, Rod just needs to step up to the plate and get that done. Just do what you gotta do, be a man, right? Definitely. Well, Harry, we really appreciate... The time that you've
7: given us, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have. So you want to give any shout-outs to any people that you got back in Hogwarts or something, Harry? Absolutely. I'd love to give a big shout-out to the Order of the Phoenix. I know they're listening, and I want to say Dumbledore's army forever and... Dumbledore's Alive! Oh, there you have it. All right, all right, man. We just need to
8: uh, wrap it up right now. All right. Thank you for listening to uh, Order of the iPod. I'm Anthony. And I'm Mike. All right, and we're back. Mike had to leave for a brief second, but I actually pulled Harry Potter back in. We're going to do a... New segment we call The Listener Shout Out I know it's a little extra but hopefully We'll get a couple extra minutes to do this segment It's pretty fun And we're going to actually pull people that have Registered for um, On MuggleCast at the Tell Us Where You Live segment. So, Harry's going to pull some names out. Just kind of give a shout out to people that are out there.
7: All right, I'll do that. I love when we do this fan appreciation stuff. First off, we have KT from London, England. Natalie W from London, England. She loves Andrew. Go, Andrew. Also, we have Sarah Green from Oxford, England. And Kara from Edinburgh. Scotland. We also have Ricky Sutton from Edinburgh, Scotland.
8: We're gonna take it back to the states now. Actually, where we're broadcasting from. Rockland County, New York. Who's out there?
7: We have Matt M. from Bloorvelt. Val from Spring Valley. And Val says, Andrew rocks. Go, Andrew. You are the man. Alright. We have Jessica Gordon from West Nyack. And Finally, Emily Chang from Hartsdale, New York. She loves the Muggle cast. I'm glad you like it. Thank you very much, Harry. Oh, you're welcome. I'm off on my broom, and uh, I'll see you at Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Rock on, Hogwarts!
4: Yeah!
7: Yeah! All right! All right!
0: Okay, so there you go. We hope everyone enjoyed it. Laura and Micah... I was in tears all over again.
5: Oh, I was too.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Laugh out loud funny. No, it was really good. <laughs> it um, really was. <laughs> so future... Yeah. Second place winner will be announced next week. Third place, then honorable mention, and then fifth place. So this is going to this is gonna span out across a few weeks here. Um, And then all the other segments, we know everyone put a lot of time in them, will be put together all into one show that is just the rest of the segments. So everyone has a chance to get their voices heard because, you know, like I said, we know people put a lot of work into these. So we have to recognize... Most people you. put a lot of work into
2: these.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I forgot to mention <laughs> um, that Anthony and Mike will both be winning a MuggleCast t-shirt on top of just being aired on MuggleCast. So congrats, guys. And you know what? I wouldn't mind um, hearing some more from them. Definitely. You know what I mean? Segment-wise, yeah? Oh. Yeah, of course. They, they did a good right, job. Well, thank you, Mike and Laura, once again, for helping no me judge us. It, it was rough, but we got through it. It was a lot yeah, of fun. It
5: was a yep. battle, let me tell you.
2: Puking
0: <laughs> pastels.
2: You guys, does anybody want some puking pastels?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pass them over here. <laughs> Alright, thanks, guys. Now let's head over to the voicemails. Kevin Steck gathered them for us this week, despite the fact he's not here. Kevin... Um, Where's he again? He's like studying and stuff for college and
3: his differential homework.
0: Differential. He's working on a project. He wanted me to tell everyone.
6: Hi, this is Kim from Melbourne, Australia, and I was wondering, do you guys think that Lupin is a Legilimens? Because there's a lot of mentioning, like he says something and then it says, as if he read Harry's mind. And they mention that in Snape a lot, and we all know that Snape is a Legilimens. So I was wondering if you guys thought there was anything to it. Thanks. I love your show.
1: I think. Yeah. I think. um... I think it's cool how they, you know, because Lupin did read Harry's mind too, but I think this is more to emphasize the fact that Lupin was so close to James and kind of really relates to Harry in the way that they both lost, lost James and Lily and stuff. So I think when Lupin reads Harry's mind, I mean, I'm not going to rule out that, you know, I'm not going to rule out that Lupin can is a legitimate, but I think usually when he reads his mind, especially in like book three and stuff, even though the, even though when other people read their mind, it's kind of like the omen of legitimacy. I think, in the case of Lupin, it's just that he relates to him and can understand what he's going through.
6: Hi, Michael Cassis. This is Sarah from Massachusetts. And I have a question. What do you think Ramus' role in the Order was in the last war, and what do you think his role in the Order is now? Thanks. I really love the show, and I'm a Girl Scout, so... If you guys really want some cookies, you can get back to me on that one. I'll pay for it. Okay, thanks. Bye.
1: That wasn't me. That was my evil twin. No, I'm pretty
4: sure that people was are no, People are
1: photoshopping low me. People are photoshopping me a dress, okay? That's that's insane. And then somebody emailed me and said, I'm a Girl Scout and we don't really wear dresses. And I was all like,
0: you know, I've, I've offended people and... Lupin's role in the war now? Uh, to transform into werewolf and attack? I don't see a uh, no. I well, don't no, know his role uh, is to get. I on think the... you make sure is he involved in the war. No,
3: he provide he provides chocolate for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really
0: ben. think he's involved in the war. Yes.
1: Um. No. He's he's on the uh, werewolf side. No. He's he's on the uh, yeah. That's true. He's underground, but I don't know what he was. Uh, I don't know what he was doing in the last war. Like, I doubt he was doing that because they would know that they couldn't trust him if he already bailed on them. I don't even know if he was in the last war because if you think about it, he was the same age as Lily and James. Was Lupin – like, were they all old enough
3: to really be in the war? I mean, you know, what do you think? I don't know. Lupin in the first war, you mean? Yeah. I don't know about the first war because Lily and James seem sort of be privileged and maybe – Lupin, you know, just out of Hogwarts, doesn't know what he's going to do with his life yet, that type of thing. I don't know. I mean, they just... Do, well, do you remember, does anyone remember in Order of the Phoenix was Lupin in the First Order? Uh, I, he... I think he might have been. Why wouldn't he have been? Yeah,
1: because it was like, well, it was serious, and it was, you know, James and Lily wasn't there also a picture?
3: Well, why weren't Arthur and Molly Weasley in the order the first time? So. Well, that's a good question, and they're they're older,
0: so. And they're in the Weasley family, mm-hmm, so. I mean, yeah, what what is... what relation do they have to the order other than that? Uh, Arthur was in the Ministry of Magic, and he didn't have any.
3: Well, did he have sons or daughters? Well, according to Andrew, everyone the W and Weasley is for worthless because no, I the no, I worthless.
0: think that they didn't have any connections back during the first war.
1: So, I think that makes sense. And then once during the first war, Molly's brothers got blown away, so they needed to start choosing a side and making it clear. So,
0: really, all it depends on basically is what your connections were uh, at the time of the first war.
6: Hey, Mugglecasters, I'm Allie from Illinois. And I was wondering if being a werewolf could be passed on to your children. Like, if Lipson and Tonks have a child, would that child be a werewolf? Or have werewolf-like qualities, like Bill Weasley suffers from? I'd love to know what you think. Thanks. Bye.
1: I think this is an interesting question because it reminds me of, once again, the Underworld series um, of of movies. And I guess they made books out of them, too. I have them right not that? They yeah, they have. But um, does
0: the Underworld series, does it run on the same... Track of rules here as the ones in the Harry Potter books.
1: Um, I actually don't know. I feel like this question's been What that would create? Well, it's it's interesting because I don't even think they answered it the underworld series, and that was my big question. And I think it seems to be the same big question uh, because if if werewolf children, you know, if if the children of werewolves are were also werewolves, then clearly there's two kinds of werewolves. There's the ones that were mortal, but then they were bitten. Or then there's the ones that were born into it and would they be stronger uh, for being born into it or what exactly would happen? And I don't know exactly like the werewolf qualities Bill Weasley suffers from. I think that's unique to his case where he was just kind of scratched a bit. But, you know, Allie from Illinois asks this question – and it's really questionable because you wonder if there's two different types of werewolves. There'd be, like, if a mortal person, if a muggle was bit by a werewolf, or if a witch was bit by a werewolf, or if you were born into the werewolf world. It's, like, this whole thing of stuff that's clearly,
0: I don't think, ever going to be answered. Can after. a werewolf be carried in your genes, though? The werewolf trait. And with it's that, that said, questions. can it be carried in your blood?
1: I think, I think, I think, I think I'm going to say that maybe... If you make love in your human form, I guess, and maybe you just have a human baby. But if you make love during the full moon, ah-ooh. <laughs>
2: well, was Tonks' mother or father a, a metamorphosis? You know, did that That's carry down through? That's a good
1: question. Through? Well, Ted Tonks was a mother, so... I mean, Ted Tonks was a muggle. <laughs> Ted Tonks was yeah, a muggle. Uh, so I doubt he was so a did, but Did then, Andromeda have any... Uh, uh, trade center. Good question. That would be like saying, "Does Sirius?" Did it skip a generation.
2: Sir- you know, was
1: maybe it... Sirius had to learn his animagi skills.
0: So. Uh, I'm gonna have to lean more towards. You would actually have to be bitten. Yeah, I think so
1: too. I think that would keep it simple.
0: Whole genes thing. That'd probably be some plot ma- mix up between the characters or something.
6: Hi, Cast guide. This is Venkley Fade from Pleasant Hill, California. In the seventh book, if Lupin fights and kills Greyback, would he be cured of being a werewolf, or will it stay with him, even though the person who cursed him before is dead? Thank you.
1: God, another underworld-related question about werewolves. Darn this. There was a... Stop. I'm sorry, but there's this myth that says, you know, if the head werewolf was killed and all of them, I think it'll still happen. I I think I don't think they'll turn back to normal. I think they'll still be werewolves because there's no, it's not like a one major bloodline necessarily like it kind of is. But I see no reason why the genes should subside just because somebody's dead. You know, like they kill the leader. I don't think that should change him because, but it's magic, so that might actually work.
3: But but is there is there I don't know if there, there's is there an alpha wolf? If you know what I'm saying, the alpha, the ultimate wolf. I, is there an is there an alpha wolf,
4: a beta uh, wolf, omega, a delta wolf, a gamma wolf. wolf?
0: I don't know. It seems stupid. I mean, it sort of relates to the whole secret keeper thing. It stays with you still.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's a good tie-in, Andrew. Oh I like thanks. it. It just yeah. stays.
0: It's like how would you be related? Sure, it came from him, but how how would you be directly connected to the point? where if someone died who bit you, then you're automatically... <laughs> I mean, in that case, yeah, in that Andrew, case, Andrew, Lupin would go after Greyback and kill him right away.
1: Or, or somebody else who didn't want to be a werewolf would surely have tried to kill Greyback years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, also, Andrew, related to AIDS, too, you know, any kind of disease, the person who dies, you know, clearly it doesn't cure yeah. AIDS, so...
0: And wouldn't grayback uh, uh, where did graybacks come from, and one of graybacks thing be yeah now, so yeah, yeah de- it's definitely stays with you it all comes to the old, what came first? The chicken nah, that doesn't really come down to that' because the chicken died anyway, so, and the egg still survived
6: um this is Tyler from Lancaster um I was wondering this doesn't completely have to do with Professor Lubin, but I was wondering if what you think would happen if some them turned into a werewolf, but they were also an anime guy, anime guy. and they um, turned into a different animal. Um, if the werewolf instinct would have control or if they would regain control. Um, thank you. Bye.
0: Jeez, No, I think you would just, if you turned into your animagus form and then the full moon came out, I would think you would just turn into a werewolf. As to, yeah, I agree.
1: I think you still would. Um, but that's, you know, the same reason Lupin didn't turn into an animagist too. It wouldn't have really helped him, I think. Plus, it would just be, you know, he already turned into an animal. You don't need to turn into another animal. And what if his animagi were a werewolf? Yeah, and anyway. you start
0: as a human. <laughs> so, we'll take, for example, Lupin starts as a human. And when the full moon comes out, he turns into a werewolf. would the same thing apply where if you're an animal? Whatever you are, you turn into a werewolf.
1: So there can be rabbits that turn into werewolves in the full moon. (laughs) If they were bitten? Sure. sure,
0: Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Andrew, Andrew, did you get that from your pattern? No, I got that from my
0: uh, new book on podcasting.
6: Hi, my name is Amy. Um, I'm from Florida. I have a question about J.K. Rowling's new um, uh, fact poll that she posted. She said that uh, if a secret keeper dies, the secret dies with them. Does this mean that if someone has not been to, um, for example, Grimmel's face, then no one else will ever be able to go since Dumbledore has already died? Um, and also, if Harry wants to go to Godric's Hollow to see his, uh, his family's old house, uh, since Wormtail was the secret keeper. Would he have to get this secret from Wormtail to be able to go there? Um, That's all. Thank you. In relation to the
1: second part, uh, the Wormtail secret keeper, the secret was that the Potters resided in Godric's Hollow. So I think it would probably be the case where Harry could find Godric's Hollow, but he just wouldn't be able to find Lily and James, You know, if, if you know what I'm talking about. But
3: if they were all... No, because the thing... Okay and James have already died, so I think the charm is gone since they're dead. It was like to protect them.
1: But even if it wasn't, uh, he could still find Godric Tomlin, I think, because the secret wasn't...
3: The charm was not on, like, like Grimald Place. Yeah, like
1: right. Grimald Place,
2: it was on Grimald Place, so now that's the question.
3: Right. That's. Because Hagrid's been to
2: the house, too. So why couldn't Harry find it? Um you no know, Harry
1: could find it, but he couldn't tell anybody else. See, when J.K.R. just clarified, I guess I'm glad she did, uh, the Fidelius term. She said that none of the people who knew it – wait, could they – I don't even think they could tell people. Like, I think only the secret keeper could tell more people, right?
3: Well, they could, they could tell right. him, but they still wouldn't be able to find him.
1: Yeah, so that's even interesting. So now the only people who could see Grimmauld Place ever would be
0: the people who But weren't they planning to uh ditch Grimmauld Place Yeah, anyway? but
3: no, another thing is, I think okay, Dumbledore cast the charm for to, to create the to make himself the secret keeper. So if that's the case and he's dead now, then the so the charm would be broken just like we saw when Dumbledore no. died, the charm was broken off Harry, right?
1: No, but the charm's not broken, the Fidelius charm, but I just thought of something else. The Fidelius charm was not for Grimmauld Place, if you read it carefully. It's for the location of the Order of the Phoenix. So, actually, the secret, the you know, the house might not have died with Dumbledore per se. It just, you know, the secret, because the secret was that the Order of the Phoenix resides at 12 Grimmauld Place. I think the fact that it disappeared and was in the middle of those houses was another charm entirely.
0: Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Um, well, we do believe that wraps up this week's episode of Mongocast, episode 29. Eric was really kicking by this week. We're sorry, everyone. We were a little down in the dumps. It was it was a rough week. I've been in New York City all day. Ben actually had some physical activity. Micah was in the city, too, although we didn't run into each other. But good job, Eric, saving all our butts. We have, we have some big plans for uh, future episodes. We'll talk about that. Uh, in detail next week. I'm actually pretty excited about yeah, it. Yeah, not willingly. I was like, guys, what
1: do you think about this? Hey, Mooney as a teen. And you're
0: all like... We're all beat, and you're like, yeah, 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 Remus, Remus, sleep. Remus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because the fans were waiting for it, and that that made me passionate about it. I mean, ever since episode 13, and everybody, oh, Andrew, thank God you're here. Can you clarify that they will not get the original footage of thirteen. There isn't even original footage. In fact, the original thirteen is the one we have. People want the the footage from what was going to be thirteen when we talked about Lupin the first time. Can you assure them that we, we never even had that? Yes, footage. but uh, Eric, I can. Or is there like is there like a secret cast that's going to you know be released? Send me dollars like, and I'll mail you the secret show. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> Is that, does that work for Eric? Because, I mean,
1: w- no, but people are asking. Because, I mean, I hope that this Lupin episode satisfied the people who wanted to hear about Lupin.
0: So next week for episode 30, we will bring you... Uh, it's just, it's so unexpected, I can't even tell you. I'm Andrew Sims. Hi, I'm Ben
4: Shane.
1: I'm Eric Skull. And I wish people would talk as much as I do. I'm like a tana
0: And I'm like a mom we'll see everyone next week.
6: Hi, this is Colin from Pennsylvania, and I want to say that I really, really, really like your show. It's the best, and I listen to it every week. I can't wait for every episode. And Laura, I like you the best. Sorry, guys. All right. Bye. Hi, this is Rebecca from Pennsylvania, and I just wanted to say that I love your show, and you guys have inspired me to make my own podcast called Media Shake. So thanks, and keep up the great work. Go, Laura. Hey, this is Jeffrey from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I just finished listening to episode 28, and all I have to say is, yeah, I'm Andrew. I talk with my mouth full to him. Hi, this is Nadia from New Jersey, and I've been listening ever since you guys first started in, like, you know, August, and I think you guys rock, and been saying you yeah, have the most highest voice in the world, and keep on the good work. Bye. Hey, this is Mary from Delta, Colorado, and I wanted to give a shout-out to all the Delta people. Um, if any of you guys listen to my Cast, you need to come talk to me. Alright, I Bye. Hi, I'm Sam, and I'm from Panama City Beach, Florida. And I'm Natasha, and I'm from Panama City Beach, Florida. And I must go out to the noble world and do noble things for all, for the good of all. And you can't come because you don't
4: speak French!
1: Michael, was that you who just parked at the uh, news center with your JAG?
0: What does that have to do with anything in this world? <laughs> that just Jewish happened? rich
1: people. I wanted to prove that they <laughs> were all rich. Never, never mind. For, <laughs> forget um, it. Jeez. <laughs> um, no, but I just wanted to mention this before we move on. Uh, that this dude's from uh, Lancaster, the guy who just did the voicemail, Tyler from Lancaster. I think I Shout got an out. email from him, and so that's pretty cool. Pennsylvanians unite.
0: Amish people everywhere. Yes. Everywhere you look. Long beards and top hats. Yes. And horses. How, did this, how does this
3: guy have a computer? He must be shunned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> He's been banned, so he
3: listens to he this shit he now. must really hide it in his closet.
0: Hershey's
1: chocolate, Hershey's chocolate, Hershey's chocolate world. It's a place where
4: they are Can we stop recording? Okay. Talk amongst yourselves.